Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Hope everyone is having a great start to their Monday, great start to their week. We've got some cool stories to go over this week. So first off, we saw the whole Chinese surveillance balloon debacle unfold in real time on social media. So we wanted to touch on some of the details that we saw going on with that story. Uh, and then we're also going to have uh, the founder of Sales River, Kobe Hastings, on to talk about the FTC's proposed ban against non-compete agreements. Uh, so that is something that could have a pretty big ripple effect within the economy and just throughout uh, various different industries that that utilize non-compete agreements to prevent employees going and working with competitors. So we're going to bring Kobe on here in just a bit to talk about that, as well as the recent fundraise that uh, we put a press release out about, uh, which is a big deal for the Lexington startup community. So um, before we dive into that, though, let's go through our sponsors real quick. So first off, we've got KY Innovation. Uh, so KY Innovation has been an awesome sponsor of ours uh, throughout the past few seasons. They've got tons of awesome programming for uh, Kentucky entrepreneurs. Evan, I know that uh, you've taken advantage of some of those programs. And if you have not reached out to KY Innovation and you are an entrepreneur in Kentucky, you need to do so. Uh, take advantage of those programs in any way that you can. And uh, uh, Evan, do you want to talk about Bolt Marketing? Yeah, for sure. So as a founder of a business or an executive, you know you want your focus to be on operations, the product. Oftentimes, founders uh, want to outsource the marketing. So Bolt is a great partner of that. For entrepreneurs, uh, they help you with everything from your website to generating leads, um, all the way through to website copy, things of that nature. So they're a full service uh, marketing agency here in Lexington, Kentucky, who work with uh, many of the founders uh, and small business owners you might be familiar with around the area. So check them out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So do you have a good weekend? I did, man. We uh, went to the UK game. Yeah, we finally game. got a good win against Florida. Good game to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and um, let's see. I think. I'm about to be heading out to Scottsdale. So this is one of the few pre-recorded episodes that we're doing. I'm flying out uh, here in about three hours uh, with Kobe, who's about to be on this call. We're going to the ICMG conference, which is a big conference for our industry. Uh, we're actually sponsoring that as Sales River. So a lot of stuff going on in the, the startup realm for me this week. Um, before we get to all of that stuff, though, let's talk about the events uh, coming up in February. This is a new little section we want to add to the podcast, just Telling the community what, what in-person events are coming up so that if you want to engage with us and with the rest of the community in person, you can do so. Um, so Evan, tell us about this first one that you're featured in. Yep. So Startup Grind in Louisville. Uh, Lisa Bajornis will be interviewing me to discuss uh, Simba and Middletech, so co-founding both and my journey. Uh, so that'll be February 15th at uh, 1020 Craft Brewery in Butchertown. Um, so Startup Grind is, you know, a, a chapter, uh, they have chapters around the United States. And so they have one in Louisville. We had one here for a while in mm -hmm. Lexington, um, but cool event. So you should go check it out. Sweet. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be sharing some good advice throughout that. Uh, the next event is Five Across February. So that is Awesome Inc. that puts that on. They do a fantastic job with that. Uh, Evan and I will likely be in attendance at that one. It's where five entrepreneurs pitch their business for five minutes for, I believe, $5,000, either $500 or $5,000. They've upped it. Safe. They've upped it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that is going to be Wednesday, February 22nd from 5 to 7 p.m. That's hosted at Main on Main in downtown Lexington. Uh, the next one, Evan, talk about our DevelopLex happy hour that we have coming up, just in case there's any DevelopLex fans that want to want to join that one. Yeah. So real estate community here in Lexington is going to get together for a happy hour. Develop Lex is hosting. We're buying the first $250 worth of drinks for everybody. So we got an open tab going. Uh, really, the goal of these is to get people together that are in the real estate space to discuss how to better develop the city of Lexington, what we could be doing better, 
uh, things of that nature and just get to know each other. So uh, we don't think the community has been doing a great job at creating events in the real estate industry and mm -hmm. just getting people together, especially the younger crowd. Um, so we want to start getting that trend going and um, give people a platform and just an opportunity to meet other like-minded people. Yeah. And it's being hosted as Speakeasy. So we'll include the Eventbrite links uh, in the description. And then the final event here is a middle tech event. This is a private event that we're putting on, but we do have a limited number of spots. I mean, when, when I say limited, literally probably one or two more spots that we're actually able to give away. Uh, so we're going to be doing a live podcast interview with Twyman Clements, uh, who is the founder of Space Tango. So that is a company we've interviewed in the past, but we're interviewing him for Commerce Lexington's Emerging Leaders Program in the Planetarium at the Living Arts and Sciences Center here in Lexington. So that'll be a really cool one. Uh, just reach out directly to us on any of our channels if you'd like to have a spot to that. And we'll reserve a spot as long as there is one or two left. All right. Um, and then the last thing, just because uh, our, our producer, Jake, uh, gets upset if we don't do this, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the notification bell, follow us at Middle Tech Pod across all socials and anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, let's dive into it. We had uh, a, a social media frenzy over this Chinese weather balloon, surveillance balloon, whatever you want to call it. Let's dive into the story. Evan, do you want to give us an overview and I'll share my screen uh, talking about this story from directly from the uh, Department of Defense? Yep. So uh, Twitter went wild. As Logan just said, uh, normal civilians started noticing surveillance balloons uh, over the United States. Uh, there was one that went from Alaska all the way down through uh, the East Coast. We shot it down yesterday. Um, so the story is that uh, China was using a balloon to you know, run surveillance operations of the United States and apparently try to take photos and video of, you know, um, classified or sensitive locations. sensitive locations where we might shoot, you know, nuclear weapons from or have, you know, weaponry held that they can gather intelligence on. Um, so this thing went all the way across the United States. We didn't shoot it down until it got over the ocean. Um, there's reasons that we can get into on that. Um, but the reason I think this blew up was this is the first time we've seen any kind of surveillance operation on the United States yeah, like well, this. It was the first time that like uh, normal citizens yeah. could see it with their naked eye, yeah. which probably freaked a lot of people out. So China has originally or has initially uh, said it was a weather balloon that got blown off course. Um, the U.S. Department of Defense says otherwise to say this is a uh, definitely a surveillance balloon. Um, so uh, th I think the reason that it was let to go on so long, let me share my screen again and I'll show. Uh, one of the the quotes that kind of stood out to me from this. Uh, so long before the shoot down, U.S. officials took steps to protect against the balloon's collection of sensitive in information. So that's kind of the first part I want to highlight here is that the U.S. was able to essentially prevent uh, a lot of the sensitive information from being relayed back to China. Uh, I don't necessarily have a lot of details around how they do that, but this is what the Department of Defense is saying. Um, and then it goes on to say, you know, I would also note that while we took all the necessary steps to protect against the People's Republic of China's surveillance balloons, collection of sensitive information, the balloons overflight of the U.S. territory was of intelligence value to us. Uh, so the way I perceive this is the U.S. likely just let it go on so long because it was gathering important intelligence just around how the balloon was laying, relaying information back to China. And likely the decision made at the, at the higher level was, you know, the intel that we were able to gather by examining the tools, technologies, and procedures was greater than the, uh, than the intel that they were able to gather from surveillance by flying that balloon. Uh, so this story ultimately ends by an F-22 
going and shooting the balloon down off the coast of South Carolina. Which was on video, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so you can go and that's all over social media. You can go and actually see that F-22 shoot it down. And I think of a funny little uh, tidbit, a little fact about the F-22 shooting it down. That's actually the F-22 as a class of jet. That's its first air-to-air kill. So that jet is obviously uh, the apex predator of the sky, but no, it hasn't been used in a dogfight before. So technically, because it, it shot down uh, another aerial vehicle here that's that's classified as its first air-to-air kill, which yeah, I think is kind of People funny. like to tout that that's like the most advanced weaponry in the world yeah. is that jet, and it just now shot something out of the sky, Yeah, uh, which is funny. Yeah, and then you were just watching a news story that it was kind of recapping it as well, and it talked about, you know, this is apparently happened. This is not the first time it's happened. It's just the yeah. first time that civilians have been able to see it. With an yeah, so it happened, you know, during the Trump administration. So uh, I think that, you know, people calling, you know, Biden weak for this just don't have the whole story. Um, you know, Department of Defense has come out and said this has happened previously. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, this is just new. You know, it's something that we haven't seen happen in the United States. One thing that I question is um, I'm not sure why it's a, a big deal. And I'm not sure the difference between what a balloon and a satellite would be as far as gathering intelligence. I mean, we know China has in Russia and many other nations have satellites up in the sky that surely are taking photos of the United States and probably live video. Not 100% on that, but if there are satellites in the sky, what's the difference between what they're collecting and these balloons? Did you read the uh, article I sent in Middle Tech about the Hunter satellites? No. This new startup that the uh, U.S. Space Force has, has spun up. I'll touch on this really briefly. I came across a story earlier this week. Um, just about uh, a startup that was spun up by the U.S. Uh, Space Force that is essentially called Hunter Satellites. Not necessarily, I'm sure they're going to eventually have the capability to take down enemy satellites that might be doing exactly what you're describing. But what this article detailed was that these satellites can get close enough to other satellites to be able to determine and intercept any signals that they're relaying back. So it sounds like that's something that's being thought of and uh, they're trying to prevent that. So that can kind of be the uh, the last point of that story, unless you have anything else to add. Nope. All right. Well, let's move on to the story around the FTC proposing a ban on non-compete agreements. So to kick this off, we're going to uh, get Kobe in here with us. So Kobe Hastings, and go ahead and put your headphones on here so we can hear Kobe. Uh, Kobe is the founder and CEO of Sales River, which is the startup I work at. Uh, this industry that we're in has a lot of uh, a lot of non-competes that get used within it. So Kobe was actually the one who brought this story to my attention. So we wanted to have him on to talk about it. Kobe, how are you doing on this Sunday? Pretty good. Ready to get to Scottsdale. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, first off, let's just start by giving us an overview on what is a non-compete agreement and you know why do businesses typically, typically have them? So a non-compete is basically what employers put into place when they hire an employee um, a lot of times the tech company, some like the company has some type of trade secret, but when they hire that employee, they get into an agreement where the employee won't leave to go work at a competing company. Yeah. I think that the dynamic there is really what we want to dig into just around what the effect that this proposed ban is going to have. Um, so especially within our industry, I, I'm sure this is pretty widespread throughout multiple industries, but, uh, non-competes are, are pretty widespread. And like you said, it just prevents employees from taking trade secrets or uh, company data and going and working at another company that can then leverage, you know, whatever that employee brought over from from the other company. Uh, so the FTC's take on this is they want to, is they're saying that uh, non-compete um, clauses essentially prevent workers from leaving jobs 
decrease competition for workers, lower wages for both workers uh, who are subject to them as well as workers who are not. And they say they also prevent new businesses from forming. So like if an employee leaves and they want to go and start a new venture based off of the information that they learned at that company that they were with, they're in, unable to do that. Uh, first off, Kobe, do you think that uh, non-competes, is, it, is that something that is essential for for a healthy business ecosystem, or do you think it's something that businesses can do with, without? We're going to discuss this in a little bit more detail, but off the top, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, non-competes have been around for a long time. Um, I don't remember a time when they weren't, so I'm 30 years old, so they've been around a long time. I've always felt that non-competes lock employees in unfairly, um, and I have a lot of thoughts on that. I could go in now. You may go into that now. Yeah, yeah, dive into it. Yeah, so the way I think about it, you know, employees are – when they take a full-time job at a company, they're dedicating half of their life, if not more, to that company's mission. Um, and so, you know, while that employee is adding value to your company, they're also growing their skill set and career. And there's an expectation on the employee to add value to the company and their role. But there's also an, an, an expectation the other way for the employer to add value to the employee. And that's growing their skill set, growing their just creating a good uh, environment for them to grow their career. And so if an employee puts in half of their life or more for 10 years at a company, they shouldn't be handcuffed and not be able to take what they've learned um, and invested in themselves over those 10 years and go take that elsewhere for a better opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Evan, uh, well, first off, let me share my screen here and go over what this proposed ban actually is. So the FTC wants to essentially ban employers from entering into non-compete clauses with workers, but they also want to require workers to rescind existing non-compete agreements. So not only is it going forward into the future, but it's also saying, hey, if you currently have a non-compete agreement in place, that's going to be taken away. So it's not, you know, not only something that would affect the future going forward, but it would take immediate effect right here, right now. Um, Evan, dive into some of your opinions and thoughts on on this whole thing. Yeah, I'm totally okay with this. Um, I think that um, basically a company can can has other ways to protect your proprietary information. And if a person is going to leave a company um, and not take proprietary information or trade secrets or documents or anything that is you know provable that they stole, they should be able to go do whatever they want. And so there's many industries where somebody develops very niche skill set. So for instance, in real estate, you know, you don't see a lot of this um, non-compete um, in some parts of the real estate industry you do, but, you know, people develop niche skill sets. And if you don't allow them to go use that niche skill set somewhere else, that's, that's very unfair, very bad for comp competition. Um, and another thing that I think is going on here is uh, founders basically all understand that it's all about execution. So Kobe, I want you to speak on this too, but you know, when you, when you start a company, somebody else can have an idea the same as you, or somebody can copy your idea. And at the end of the day, it's all about execution. So um, you shouldn't be afraid of an employee leaving your company and going and starting another company similar, as long as they don't take, you know, again, proprietary information, like you should be almost supportive of that for the marketplace. It's for the marketplace. It shouldn't be to protect the company. Um, another piece of this is that if a, if a person does leave a company, then that company's just not taking care of them well enough to make them want to stay. So there's that component. And the last thing I would say is, let's say um, an employee leaves a company, let's say it's a very sales-driven company and a salesperson leaves. 
goes to another company, takes those clients. Well, that's not their problem. It's the problem of the company that lost those clients. They're not serving those clients well enough and they went to go to the other company. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm totally okay with this ban. There are other ways to protect the company and trade secrets and what somebody might steal from them when they leave. Um, and you shouldn't try to hamper the market. Again, it's all about execution. You, you said this, Kobe, take good enough care of your employees where they don't want to leave and then take care of your customers. Like, just make sure that you're doing good customer support. You're creating loyal customers so that they don't leave for a competitor. Um, it all comes down to that in my mind. And non-competes, I think, do hamper that. But yeah, Kobe, what's your thoughts on you know the execution part of being a, a founder? Yeah, there's a lot of good points there and all are accurate and I agree with. Um, it's definitely about execution. I mean, the, your comment about a salesperson leaving and taking customers with them, that that just means the company wasn't executing in the right way. The, your customer should be in love with your product. They shouldn't be in love with your salesperson. Uh, maybe not in love. They shouldn't have, they shouldn't just leave because of that person. Um, they should be in love with your product. And if a salesperson leaves, well, you should be able to replace who their relationship to another account executive or account manager. Yeah. Um, if, and to that point, like if a salesperson leaves and then that customer follows them, it's probably a commoditized product at that point, right? It's not, yeah. you know, it's not protected. It's probably not something special. If there's no loyalty, then, you know, what, what are you protecting against? Right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to employee retention. And to do that, I think, you know, this is a proposed rule now. If it does go through how they proposed it, like employers are going to have to change some things. Um, you know, historically, employers have just had this at their will to be able to get people into non-competes, leverage their skill sets, and then have them cuffed into their position. Employers are going to have to change, and they're going to have to put measures out there to retain good talent. Um yeah. So, I mean, things I kind of, the top few things I would say from an employer perspective is one, create a great culture that people wouldn't want to give up. That's a pretty easy one. I mean, it takes a lot of effort, but you can do it. Pay people what they're worth um, and just create a leadership format that helps employees grow their skill sets and just creates a rewarding career for them within your company. Um, and I think if you do those things, there's a ton of other things you can do, but I think that's going to be key if this rule goes through. Yeah. And the, the FTC is also saying, I'll share my screen again here, that this would increase Americans worker, American workers' earnings between $250 billion and $296 billion per year. <laughs> so obviously a very huge economic impact by allowing this to happen as well. I've actually got an example of this. I've got a good friend, uh, business partner uh, in the real estate industry, left a company and then started the same company, same type of company, uh, got sued. Uh, I think he's still in a lawsuit. Um, but he went and created a lot of wealth for himself doing the exact same thing, not necessarily from my knowledge, you know, taking leads. If he did take, you know, like lead lists and stuff, that's different. But, you know, he went and started a similar company using the knowledge that he started at the prior company that he got from the prior company. And, you know, that in my mind should be okay. Well, it increases competition, which is yeah. important for a healthy marketplace and a healthy sure. economy. Yep. Yeah. So and I think I, I agree with what you're saying there. I think employers look at non-competes as like a competitive advantage thing like they're locking people in but they're just looking at it from their perspective with their company and the success of their company the ftc is looking at it from an economic perspective so like by eliminating non-competes just think about the economy when you have people leaving jobs and going to make 50 to 100 to 200 thousand more at an, another company um and you're going to see startups like become 
extremely successful when they can go out and get talent and create a good environment for those employees that where where they want to go leave like a large tech company and join a, a funded startup. Yeah, especially, you know, I think a classic example of this happening right now is the AI space. Mm-hmm. You know, there are AI employees that are probably locked into Google, locked into OpenAI, many of these companies, and they leave and have to wait, you know, long periods of time before they start their company. And, you know, that that's hampering competition. And in an industry like AI, we have to have as much competition as possible uh, because that's just such a high stakes space. And if you don't have a lot of competition, you end up having people that have, you know, strong control over AI, which we, you know, don't necessarily want. You know, we want that to be a larger, more distributed industry. Yeah, for sure. All right, Kobe, before we let you go, we just wanted to give give you a sec to talk about this press release that uh, you just put out for Sales River this past week. So we finally went public with this fundraise that we've been working on for the past little bit and officially announced the uh, the launching of the new brand that we spun out called Sales River. So uh, just take a bit to talk about that press release, what's going on over at Lead Realist slash Sales River now. Uh, that way we can keep our listeners informed of what's, what's happening in the Lexington startup scene. Yeah, give a quick uh, elevator pitch too of what uh, Sales River is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Logan's job. He he does sales. <laughs> He's the sales guy. We're going to put the pressure on him right now on the spot I'm, to do I'm, it. I'm playing my middle tech host role right now. I'm not playing my sales Logan, river. Logan will be selling plenty <laughs> in Scottsdale, so I'll, I'll take care of it. Uh, yeah, so it's been an exciting, uh, well, for one, it's been an exciting four years since we launched Leadrilla, but especially in the last 12 months, uh, we've kind of hit, at Leadrilla, we hit an inflection point where you know, we, the platform currently has over 20,000 licensed agents in the U.S. And over the last 18 months or so, we've had a lot of interest from large brands in insurance, healthcare, Medicare, um, several, a handful of different industries. There's large brands interested in our software uh, to use it like internally. Um, and we just weren't really set up to do that. And because of all that interest, uh, we started building in the ability, basically extracting the software that powers Leadrilla and making that available for enterprise customers in the form of a white label to where it's fully branded for them. Um, we do all their lead and call routing. We collect a ton of data uh, to, to feed back to the enterprise to help them make good decisions for their sales process. And so we spent a lot of last year getting that done. Um, at the same time, I was out raising our first round of outside capital. Uh, so we closed our Series A in December. Uh, that was $3.95 million from, uh, it was led by Mucker Capital out of LA. Uh, so that all closed up in December. Um, throughout the last six months, we landed a handful of enterprise clients kind of on our new uh, platform. And so with the raise, uh, we also, we, which we announced last Thursday, if you haven't seen it, uh, you can check out Sales River Social. It's all over there. Yeah, we'll uh, so we announced that on Thursday, uh, both the raise and the formation of our new brand, which is called Sales River. Uh, and so Leadrilla is not going away. It, it's That's our platform where we service independent agents from anywhere, any company they can sign up and get started. Sales River kind of operates in parallel to Leadrilla and Sales River is the software platform, which we can license for enterprise customers. Um, and then just think of it as Leadrilla is powered by Sales River, the, so- the software. Uh, so just high level, what Sales River is, is it's a sales enablement platform for distributed sales teams. And so just a high level kind of break it down by there's a ton of features and a ton of different value props across, depending on what 
industry the customer is in. But we break it down kind of into four buckets of the sales process. Uh, so it's customer acquisition, intelligent routing, sales enablement, and sales team management. And so there's features within each of those buckets that kind of help the entire process. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're obviously pretty thrilled about that. That was quite a process going through the the fundraising journey. I don't know if you want to share any about your experience uh, or how many how many firms you ended up pitching before we finally got a commitment. Um, I think that was something we yeah. we talk a lot about on uh, at least last season on Middle Tech, if you're able to share anything about that. So, Logan, you know how many I did. Evan, you want to take a guess how many pitches for that round? Uh, 120. 143. <laughs> That's about, yeah. It was a busy year. It's about right. It's not fun. I feel like that was the one thing that, you know, uh, seeing it from the inside, watching you go out and do all of this, you, I feel like fundraising and startups gets glamorized a little bit until you actually have to go and do it. And you like have to take mm -hmm. your attention away from what you're building and go and spend all this time talking to venture capitalists that don't understand your business the same way you yeah. do and try to get them to see it the same way. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. 100, 140 is pretty crazy. Yeah. If there's any founders listening, I mean, my only advice would be like, if you, if you're going to raise a round and you do your first 20, 30, 40 pitches and it like doesn't feel like it's clicking with VCs, just don't stop because 95% of pitches that I, maybe 90, 95% of pitches I did, like it just, it, it didn't click in the first five to 10 minutes with the VC. And typically like those conversations typically never went anywhere. Hmm. Um, I know when, when I talked to Mucker Capital, we probably started talking in October um, they have three partners there. And the first one was a phone call. And it, I, I just had a gut feeling that in the first five minutes, the questions they were asking me, uh, I hadn't even gone through my whole pitch, but it just clicked for them. And with every single partner, it clicked. And so I think, you know, that was the 140th call, maybe somewhere around there. Uh, and then once they got it and it felt like a good relationship, a term sheet looked good. Um, then it, you know, it just kind of became a good relationship and things moved really quickly from that point on. Yeah. And talk just real quick. You mentioned talking to some of the partners and it clicking with them. I think the reason it clicked is because of Omar's background. Um, so just give a yeah. high level on, you know, uh, what, what he, what his involvement was in this whole process and what his background is. Yeah. Yeah. So Omar Hamui, he is one of the three partners at Mucker Capital. Uh, he started AdMob uh, in the two thousands. And so AdMob was the first SDK on a smartphone. This was pre iPhone. So like on Blackberries, razors, I, I don't even think I had a phone cause I was like in middle school then, but, uh, he built the first SDK to deliver ads for small businesses. Um, and so then the iPhone came back, came out and his business just grew tremendously. Um, and they were ultimately acquired in 2010 by Google for 750 million. Uh, and then he was a partner at Sequoia for six years, uh, and then left, I think it was a few years ago to join Mucker. Yeah. Yeah. We're obviously very excited to be working with somebody who has experience in, you know, the industry that we operate in every day. So, uh, all very exciting stuff. I'm glad that, uh, you took the time to come on and just fill us in on everything, contribute a little bit to that, uh, that FTC story. And I'll look forward to seeing you here in a few hours to fly to Scottsdale and talk more about sales river to the rest of the <laughs> industry. So thanks for joining Kobe. Thanks guys. See ya. All right. Um, now we're at the last segment of the podcast, which is our new and probably one of my favorite um, little segments that we're doing here. That's called AI Edge. So we are doing AI Edge to essentially 
talk about what we're learning um, with all these AI software tools that are coming out and how you can give yourself an advantage using AI. Um, so first, what we want to do with AI Edge, one is we want to give tips on how to use AI to give yourself an advantage, but we also just want to keep tabs on the space on what's going on. So there were three pretty big headlines uh, out this week around what's going on in the AI world that we just wanted to touch on real quick. Um, so to touch on the first one, then I'll, I'll let Evan touch on uh, some of these other two. Uh, Chat GPT has surpassed 100 million users, which sets a record uh, for the fastest company to get to that, that number of users. Happened in two months after their launch, 100 million users, which is just absolutely insane. And then kind of along with that, they've announced uh, Chat GPT Plus, which is going to be uh, a paid tier of Chat GPT. Um, I believe that's going to be $20 a month. Um, so we won't dive into those too much just because the headlines kind of give the story. Uh, but Evan, talk about these other two headlines yeah. that we're following as well. So Google uh, has had to address uh, chat GPT because it is a threat to their underlying business. Uh, whenever you ask something of chat GPT, you get a direct answer. Uh, Google makes all their money on giving you a bunch of answers and a bunch of results and then layering in ads. Mm -hmm. um, so in a world where that's no longer a thing, Google is under threat. Um, so Google has now responded by investing in a company that was started by ex-OpenAI employees, actually. Um, so they're, one, investing, but two, they're now coming out and saying, hey, we've got similar technology we plan on releasing. Um, so that all happened within the last several days. Um, you know, they, they had no choice. All their investors, their shareholders, put a lot of pressure on them. Uh, ChatGPT is, you know, as Logan just said, is the fastest growing technology of all time. Um, this was pretty obvious when I first tried it, like it was going to be, uh, I think, you know, I think when we saw after five days, it got a million users. Um, that's crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's going to change a lot of things about how we interact with technology. So again, Google addresses this and then same with Microsoft, uh, Microsoft, uh, made a huge investment, uh, more than $10 million over the last several years, 10 billion, right? 10 billion uh, into chat GPT. Uh, they're rolling it out across all of their services, but perhaps the most interesting, most exciting is connecting chat GPT to the internet via Bing. And so that'll be able to give people, you know, live real time answers about, you know, live information. Um, when you connect information, structured data uh, that's all over the internet via Bing to chat GPT, it's going to change it drastically. So that's probably the most exciting thing I'm looking forward to is how Microsoft plans to leverage this. And Microsoft's in a different position. I mean, they're, they lost to Google. They don't have the same pressure as Google to uh, disrupt their ad model. Um, they don't really have as much of their revenue that comes from Bing. So it's you know possible for them to totally revamp what Bing looks like. Whereas with Google, it's, it's really not. Um, so this will be pretty interesting. Yeah. And the headline here is that Microsoft has announced that that version of Bing is going to be coming in the coming weeks. And I even saw kind of a supplementary story to that that said some Bing users actually saw what appeared to be the interface for uh, this this merging of Bing and ChatGPT. So I think that'll be probably one of the most significant stories to cover around artificial intelligence is when we connect it to the internet. I think that'll be pretty, pretty insane. Um, all right, so let's go on to giving our tip of the week for AI Edge, uh, how you can gain an AI Edge. This week's tip is uh, Evan's idea. So Evan, I'll let you describe it and then I'm going to share my screen and we'll kind of walk through it as you talk about it. Yeah. So um, I've been using it in this fashion. Uh, whenever you have like a project or something you're working on uh, and you want another perspective or you just want some ideas on how to get started, 
uh, just type it in chat GPT. Um, so type in, uh, give me the first steps I should take to create a pitch deck for my boss. Um, you can type in anything. I, I used it personally for my company. Um, I typed in, give me an incentive plan for a developer to complete a project by a given date. Uh, and it gave me a complete rundown of how to incentivize a developer and its own perspective on how to do it. Um, and I used some of its tips. Um, so as you can see here, you ask it a question about a task or a project you have to do, um, ask it how it would do it. Um, you don't necessarily have to take all the advice, but this is actually uh, borderline a perfect answer. Um, so this is probably uh, a very, you know, if you ask a professional who's been in, you know, probably corporate America for a very long time, that's giving reports to their boss, uh, how to do it, uh, it probably wouldn't be far off from this. Um, this is pretty, pretty dang good. Yeah. And just to supplement this in with the tips that we gave last week, which was just around how to communicate with ChatGPT effectively and getting more specific, asking it to elaborate. If I'm the one using this and let's say I don't understand exactly how I should go about doing one of these steps. So let's just say, for example, um, I want to talk about like gathering and organizing the, con the content. I can just say, be more specific about gathering and organizing the content. And what it'll do is it'll just start diving in deeper into that specific part. So see, now it's just gonna dive directly into that step. So you could theoretically just go through each step and say, hey, elaborate on this, be more specific about this. And it's gonna actually go in and give you, you know, answer by answer on that exact one. So you can really go down a rabbit hole with ChatGPT. Uh, you know, what you shouldn't do is just like ask a question and then just take on the surface level what it gives you supplement your own intelligence into it, um, ask questions of it, and then let it give you more relevant responses. So that is our AI tip of the yeah. week. You have anything to add to that? I would just say treat it like a dialogue. You know, you you asked it to do something here. It didn't give a perfect answer this time. You might've been a little too broad. Yeah. Um, so keep it a dialogue um, and also understand that it has memory. Um, so, you know, you ask it a question and you're specific on the first one. The next one, you can say something like it. You can refer to the last question as it. Um, it has memory. It knows what you've asked mm -hmm. in the past. Um, it knows what you just asked as a previous question. Um, so literally just have a dialogue with it. And again, treat it like you're asking a friend for another perspective. Um, so if you are really stressed out about a project, you might want to go to a friend and say, hey, help me reduce my stress. What would you do if you had this project? Think about it in that term. Uh, this is something that is an assistant. It's another person to give you perspective. Uh, and this is the internet's perspective. It's literally gathering information from across the internet. So um, it could be better than anybody you have in your in your network to ask this question. Um, so let's see, what would you put here? You leaving the tech world, tell a story about you leaving the tech world to join the circus. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> wow. Evan felt unfulfilled and yearned for something more. <laughs> you know, trying to go play with the monkeys and elephants, man. Oh, shoot. All right. That is the AI Edge segment for this podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great rest of their week. Um, again, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're putting out, uh, we're putting a big emphasis on just creating more content, video first content on, on YouTube. Um, other than that, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.